Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oala.org. That's www.oalaig.org, where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Leslie. I'm Leslie. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Thanks, Mickey. Um, Michael, you can leave now. Uh, Anyway, I'm really grateful to be here. I want to welcome all you guys that are new to OA. I uh, I want to tell you that you can stop compulsively eating, you can stop throwing up, you can stop doing whatever it is that you're having trouble with, um, that it is possible here, and that, you know, there is always hope in OA. Um, I'm really grateful. I want to thank um, Martha for asking me to speak. I come here every week, and um, I'm just really, really grateful. Uh, When I came to OA... I could not stop throwing up. I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop throwing up. I couldn't stop thinking about my body and um, how much I hated myself. And uh, I couldn't figure out the solution, you know, which I do believe there it's a spiritual solution. You know, if I, if I could have thought about it and figured it out at home alone, I would have, you know. And um, uh, I do believe it's a we program. It's not an I program. You know, I don't sit home and get better. So, I mean... I'll just tell you a little bit about what it was like. I, um, you know, I was a really athletic kid. I was a gymnast. I rode horses. Um, and it, I always had that thing, though, you know, like, it's that, you know, treat me normal and I feel less than, treat me special and I feel normal. Like, I remember we did gymnastics, and I'm actually sober with a girl who, was, who competed with us, and she was like, you were really good. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. She goes, yes, you were. I'm like, I didn't feel good, you know. And, uh, and even, like, riding horses and showing horses, um, I just wanted to be really great, you know. Like, I, wanted, I just want everybody to be in total admiration of, like, how great I am, you know. And, but I don't really want to do the work. I mean, that's part of it, too, is that I'm not really down with hard work. Uh, I just want I just want the end, but I don't really want the middle, you know. And um, so I tended to I, I quit a lot of things. Like I remember I quit gymnastics. Well, I started smoking pot, so I really didn't care about it anymore. But um, uh, my parents stole my horse. I I you know anyway. I was just I was kind of a bad kid after that. I uh, I drank a lot. I did a lot of drugs and. Um, but I was thin. But but in my in, I started drinking and I started doing a lot of crystal meth towards when I was about 21, 22, and it was always in this quest like if I'm thin I will be happy. Like that is one of those old ideas, which you know I don't really have anymore because I know thin does not equate happiness. You know um, that my happiness really is an inside job. It doesn't actually come from anything on the outside. No material thing, no body size creates that kind of serenity and peace and happiness. You know, um, that's really what I've got from working the steps and from really from God and from my sponsor and from people, you know, is that sense of well-being. 
But um, so I was just a kind of a wild kid, and I, I ended up with drag queens in a place called the Probe, and um, <laughs> I uh, I never ate. I can tell you right now, I smoked cigarettes, I did crystal meth, I did stuff called I mean MDA, ethyl chloride things. I don't even really know what they are, but and I never. I mean, we never went to sleep. I danced a lot. I had a tambourine. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I swear I did not eat. I didn't eat meals. I didn't go to the market. I lived a very strange lifestyle then. But I, uh, I, I just thought I just wanted to be skinny, too. You know, so I ended up getting sober in 1985 when I was 22 years old. And, um, you know, I've been sober ever since, you know, June 19th, 1985, which I'm so, so grateful for. But what happened to me, and I, I've heard it so many times from people who were also sober, but I got sober, and I could not stop eating. I mean, it was like I, I could not stop eating. I would go to meetings. I knew the meetings I had good food. I was, like, chowing down on candy and cupcakes and brownies and cookies, and we were drinking tons of coffee, and I was smoking. And I mean, I was insane, you know, but... Um, but I was sober, which is good. And, and you know, I kind of, you can kind of only work with one thing at a time. I think it's, it's I was pretty uncomfortable. But, um, so what happened was I, I started, um, I stopped smoking, I think. And then I was with all these girls at, at this guy's Clancy's house, uh, he's in AA, at the yard. And I learned how to throw up. They were all talking about throwing up. And I thought, I'm going to go throw up, you know. Um, sounds good to me. And, uh, and so I started throwing up, you know. And, I have to say that I don't think bulimia is an effective weight loss method um, because it's a lot of manipulating. There's a lot of managing. If I eat this and I throw up and then I can eat again, and you know, there's a lot of balancing. And and so I would go to school. I, I was back in college, or I was at started college. So Tuesday, Thursday, I would go to school, and I would come home from school. I swear I would like this is like my activity. I would just eat, watch TV, throw up, throw up, throw up, throw up, brush my teeth, and go off to my AA meeting. And um, and. I was like, I'm never telling anybody about this ever, you know, because I really was like, I don't want to get fat, you know, and I hear that so many times from people when they come into OA, like, I'll stop throwing up, but I don't want to get fat. I'm like, all I know is that I had to be willing to gain weight. I had to be willing to do whatever it took for relief from this obsession, you know, and uh, and I ended up, I remember I went to New York one time to visit my friend, and I mean, there's so many gross things with throwing up, you know, and I, I got, ate her hagen and I threw up, and I had to go back to the market and then eat it down to the right level, and I think I missed it, so I just ate it, threw it up, once, got another, you know, it was like my day. I mean, it kept me from living my life. And then there's the clog, clog toilet action, you know, at my mom's one time, I think that all came up in the flower bed, and, you know, uh, it's just, it's not good, you know, and I literally, I I could not stop throwing up, and I could not stop eating. And what I ended up doing, you know, um, was I just knew I had to tell my sponsor. You know, I had a sponsor. I was doing well. You know, I was staying sober, but I I just felt like I had this huge secret. You know, and I, I believe, like, you can lie to your therapist. You can do all of that. But I just kind of had this, like, if I have a sponsor, my, my sponsor really, her only intention was for me to do well. So there's no point in lying to her. Um, it doesn't really help me in any way. So I, I remember I told her, I remember when I kind of made the decision, like, I'm going to tell her. And, I mean, I think because I had been throwing up in bags and putting them in my closet so I wouldn't, you know, back up the plumbing. And, 
it was just crazy, and I was obsessed. You know, it, it is an obsession, which is like it's gripping. You know, it's it's awful. And uh, and so I told my sponsor, and she said, I want you to call this lady. And I called her, and she said, well, Why don't you go to this OA meeting? I think it was in Brentwood on a Thursday. It was like um, a women's meeting. And um, I went, and I have to say, when I came to OA, I knew how the 12 steps worked. I knew how the program worked. I knew that the program works. I just was like, I don't want to give this thing up. But I was kind of out of answers. And and I went, and I totally, totally identified when I was there. I identified with all the girls, with just all that. Like my friend says, you do that weird thing where you pick up the big stick and then just beat yourself to death with it. She said, it's so weird. We all look at you and think you're doing great. But you're just like beating yourself down and and there were a lot of things that I heard there and I just kept coming back and and I I did hear if you keep coming back you will eventually stop throwing up like I believe if you keep coming back you will eventually get abstinent I don't really know how it happens but it will happen if you keep coming back so if you're new I hope that you get a sponsor and that you keep coming back you know because that's what I did and I I kept throwing up I kept throwing up and then finally, I stopped. You know, I got one day, and then I got another day. You know, and really, all we have is a day at a time. You know, and um, I was kind of crazy um, when I was new. I mean, I was still so obsessed with my body. We used to go um, to the drug and alcohol center on Monday night. They had this meeting. It was like eight forty-five. It's very late now. You know, they don't have meetings that late anymore. They have they have late meetings like ten p.m. But Anyway, and we would all eat at cafe. I think we'd all go to Cafe Figaro before, and everybody had like special orders. You know, it was the ordering was intense. You know, dressing on the side, do 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 do. You know, it was all these bulimic anorexic, because it was a bulimic anorexic meeting, and and we were all just cuckoo eaters. You know, like we used to go to this place Shambhala at one point. While well, we ate was tofu and brown rice and broccoli. You know, um, but anyway, we'd go to the meeting and. And you know what? I got abstinent, and I started, you know, kind of going through the steps in OA. And there were so many things that I had to do when I was new. You know, I I threw away my scale. Okay, I'm a big scale person. I weighed every Monday for like I like to log things. You know, I come from a family. I call my dad Mr. Spreadsheet because he puts everything in your life on a spreadsheet. And um, I kind of like to log and track things as well, so my weight was definitely high on that list. And so I had a square on my calendar. Every Monday I wrote my weight. If it was high, I felt like crap and I ate. If it was low, I was excited and felt great and I ate. So it, um, I threw my scale out, and I, I don't have a scale. I have no desire to ever step on a scale, and I stopped weighing myself. And... Um, I think I threw away, I had a whole, we're talking about the jean thing, you know, like also a big punishing thing for me is I'd go in my closet and try on all my skinny jeans, like at the afternoon activity, you know, talk about making yourself feel horrible. And I had these jeans, I think, from like a bad time in my life, you know, and finally I remember I gave them to my friend who was very small and and I was like, I don't want to try on those jeans anymore. And I, um, you know, my food was not... Um, super good when I was new. I, I didn't throw up. That is my abstinence. I've been abstinent since um, November 20... God, is it the tw- it's Thanksgiving of 1987. So I'll be 25 this year. And, um, uh, you know, that day, 
that I got abstinent, you know, it was Thanksgiving. I went to a big AA party. AAs eat a lot. You know, there was a massive amounts of food, and I wasn't going to go. I was too afraid. I thought, I can't, I can't leave my house. I'm going to just stay in my house and eat and throw up at home. But um, and I sponsored a girl, and she was in OA. And we went together. We said, we'll go to the party together, and we'll eat one plate of food, and we'll pray. And so we went to the party together, and um, we said a prayer, I think, before we ate. You know, ask God to help us eat an abstinent meal. We ate our plate of food. We went back in the bathroom, got on our knees, said another prayer, and I didn't throw up, and that was my first day of abstinence. So, you know, Thanksgiving always feels like I'm like, woo, I'm so excited, you know, um, uh, because it's supposed to be this, like, gluttonous, gross day, you know, and it's always, I don't know, it's nice. I think about it. It's just like a meal. It's just like any other day. And, uh, And it started my journey, you know. I... I went through the steps, you know, like I said, I was really obsessed with my body. I always wanted to be thinner. I mean, I was always sure that if I could just lose five more pounds, five more pounds, you know, and I know I really don't have any more diets left in me. You know, I've been on a lot of diets. I've done a lot of, I had a lot of weird food ideas that I had like kind of lumped together over the years and formulated into my own food thing, you know, like my own diet. And, uh, I just worked really hard on kind of eating three meals, but I do believe I'm powerless over food. You know, the minute I try to kind of work my willpower in there, it it doesn't work so well. I do much better when I kind of surrender it. Um, And I I think if I want to gain weight, I just need to go on a diet, you know, Um, or or have to wear a bathing suit sometime soon, you know, like that was always the, I'm going to get in shape so I can get in my bathing suit, you know, and then be eating like crazy, you know, so... So we were all crazy and new, and Carol was there, and, you know, my friend Eage, and lots of people that I know still, and, uh, but I got better, you know, and, and I think around six months, I started to sponsor people, and I was like, oh, I can't sponsor people, and I hear this, I just can't tell you how much, so much in OA, like, my abstinence isn't good enough, it's not perfect, it's not the way it should be, I, I don't really think there is, I mean, I, I, I know from people that I know that have long-term abstinence, it ebbs and flows. There have been times when it's great, when it's easy, when my food's light, when it's heavy. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, there is no, like I always thought, like if I could eat sort of, you know, four ounces of protein and two cups of vegetables and I'd be, it'd be great, you know, but I can't sustain that over a long period of time. And um, so I started to sponsor people. I think I became secretary of the meeting. And I have to say, you know, it, it talks so much in all all the literature, you know, it, like, I can't, we can, and that I cannot keep it if I don't give it away. And my whole abstinence turned around when I started working with others, even though I, I truly was like, what do I have to give? But I, got, I had six months or whatever I had at the time, five months, six months. And, um, you know, I know a lot of those girls today that I sponsored. Like, uh, some girl contacted me on Facebook, say, said, I told her I gave her a pig, like this pink plastic pig to think of God. I was like, I don't even remember that. She goes, I loved it. I'm like, I have no recollection of a pink plastic pig. Um, so, uh, uh, but, you know, my life got bigger, and I went through school, and I I, um, I got married, and and... 
when I got married, that whole thing about having another person in your house that has their own food is very odd, you know. Because I, I learned here, like, if something is calling my name, I throw it out, you know. Um, and that was, like, so exciting. And I don't throw it in the trash because I could take it out and yeah. eat it again. But I would, like, throw it down my trash chute on the 12th floor, you know. And so when I was dating my husband, he... Uh, I remember he said, where are the brownies I brought home from the meeting? I said, I threw them out. And he said, what? You know, like, so so I had to stop throwing his food out, you know. Um, but it is nice to just throw things out. Like, I, I've, I've met people at meetings, and they're like, I have bread in the car. I'm like, give me the bread, you know. Like, give me the bread, and then I throw it out, you know. It's like alcoholics with their narcotics after surgery. I should give it to someone, you know. Um, Anyway, so I, uh, you know, we got married, and when I when I got pregnant, you know, like I, uh, you know, your body becomes um, not yours, you know. And uh, I remember I had to go get weighed, and I had this doctor who never made us weigh. She had all the bulimic girls, the anorexic girls, and we never had to weigh. Like now, it's like the full duke it out with the do- nurse at the doctor's office. I don't want to weigh, you know. Like I'm like, if the doctor really wants me to weigh, they can, you know, like. You can turn around. I've turned around. They've said the number out loud. I mean, I've had all sorts of things happen. So she didn't make us weigh. And then when I got pregnant, you know, I got weighed. And you weigh more every month. And um, and it kind of changed my whole concept of that my body is not my own. I can't mold it into what I think will make me happy. Like, it, it's a whole misconception that when I get, when I am down here, I'll be happy. Like, I do believe that happiness comes from wanting what I have, not getting what I want. You know, if I want what I have, then I'm perfectly happy today. You know, and and that, like, it'll be good later. You know, if I could only get, you know, there's a lot of stuff written in my meditation book about the material, you know, that not to seek the material, you know, that it's all about seeking the spiritual, you know, that the material doesn't make you happy, you know, and that happiness is a byproduct of good living, you know, and um, that's what makes me feel good. It also says in the OA book on things, I think April 12th, because I was looking at it recently, about nobody guarantees, nobody says we're supposed to be happy all the time. Like, that's sort of a misconception that we just walk around happy, you know, because um, I pondered happiness. Like, what will make me happy, you know? Um, so I, I had my daughter, and, um, you know, I lost weight afterwards, and I, I feel like I ate well when I was pregnant, and um, I gained a normal amount of weight, and... And then I got divorced, you know, then I had problems with my husband, I got divorced, and I got very thin, you know, and um, I was so sad, you know, uh, uh, you know, divorce is really hard, and I had a young baby, and, and you know, I, I like that whole saying, you know, that pain has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but man, when you're in the middle, it is freaking long, you know, like, I heard it said at a meeting, you know, it's like that that wheel of life, like, when everything's good, and you're at the top, it's just great, you know, and eventually the wheel starts to turn, and then when it's at the bottom and things are bad, it feels like it will never, ever change, and eventually it starts to come back up again, you know, and uh, I was, you know, it was hard after I got divorced, and that's why I know being thin does not equate happiness, because the times I have been the thinnest was when I got divorced, when I got cancer, I mean, there are different things, and they were all bad times, you know, Um, so I don't have that so much anymore that if I was thinner, you know, I would be happy. I have to accept where I am now and that God loves me as I am, you know, and I can turn my weight and my body image over to God all the time. 
So anyway, so after I think I started running marathons then, and and uh, with a bunch of my friends, and that was really great. And and then eventually, I think I ran a, ve- a marathon in Vegas, and I I was like running along, and I had trained with these people. I was I pushed my daughter in the stroller. I mean, she went 20 miles, 23 miles. She was in that stroller. Like I burned out a stroller. Um, I'm very obsessive too. So when you get me going on something, I'm I'm in, you know, and. Uh, and somewhere in that race, like, I cried on the runs, and my friend Ray would, would like, come on, Leslie, you know, the English accent, I'd come around the corner and have a coffee for me, and, you know, uh, they'd push her, and, and uh, I was, like, the worst runner in the group, you know, which is, you know, things are always good when they deflate my ego, you know, and, uh, and we went, and I was with a girl I sponsored, and we were in Vegas, a bunch of us, and when we were running that race, um, somewhere, it was, like, the 18th mile I was going, and we were actually running pretty fast, and uh, I was like, I'm running a marathon, like, I didn't even like running when I was a gymnast, when we vaulted and stuff, he always told me I was not a good runner, and I didn't really like running, I'd never run, you know, and um, I was like, running, I'm like, wow, I, I took actions I didn't believe in, I didn't believe I could run a marathon, you know, and I f- took the next indicated step without believing that it would work. And here I am, one step at a time, running a marathon. And and I started crying, and, and we finished, and, and somewhere all that sadness of that divorce, like, left on the roadside, you know. And, and that's kind of what the program is. Like, I can't always see the end, you know, but it's there. And I have to just take actions I don't believe in, and I will get better. You know, it will, it does get better. And I have many people ahead of me that tell me that. You know, I have many heroes my sponsor's one of them. You know, my grandfather was one. He was sober a very long time. And, um, you know, I know that it gets, it always gets better, you know. Uh, but I, I, I can't always see how it's going to work. I think a lot of it is blind faith that it works, you know. And it's kind of magical in a way, you know. So I think after that, I, I you know, I had to get into that thing. Like, my daughter now is um, 18 and she's in college. And, um I felt really sorry for myself after that. Everybody actually felt sorry for me because it was very sad. And um, I was a bit of a victim. And the victim thing is bad, you know, because I find that I can milk it. And then you never really feel as sorry as I think I deserve. And I want you to feel sorrier for me. And, um, and you know, what? I have to say, you know, as hard as that was, like being a single parent, working full-time, going to meetings, you know, all the stuff that I did, um, I kind of wouldn't trade it at all. You know, all the tears shed. My sponsor got down on me hard, you know, about being a good parent. My daughter had, like, some learning disabilities, some different things. She's, you know, she really forced me to kind of be her advocate and, and not give Because I'd say, I'm quitting. I don't want to be a parent anymore. I quit. You know, and she's like, no, no, because I'm a big quitter. Like, I'm a strong starter. I'm good for, like, two weeks. And then I'm, I've had enough, you know. I don't want to do the work, you know. Um, it's that whole, like, I want to wake up and speak French. I don't want to take a French <laughs> class. I just would like to speak French, you know. And that is not what happens in life, you know. And, and you know, I, I want to, I still always, I've always gone to meetings, you know, and I, I was a, I, I'm a good parent, you know. And um, I get along well with my ex-husband very fond of that part in the book, you know, that says resentment is our number one offender and it is a luxury we cannot afford. It will cut you off from the sunlight of the spirit. And I, I don't resent him. I haven't, I'm, we get along great, you know, and he's sober and we're, you know, his kids come to my house and he's remarried and it's nice, you know, and I, I think it should be that way. And, 
I don't really want to spend my life resentful, you know, because I, I, I do kind of believe, and especially I've had a lot of stuff happen to me in the last couple of years, like heavy stuff, and that God either is or isn't. So I'm either going to believe or I'm not going to believe. You know, what is my choice? You know, and it talks about that God either is or isn't, you know, and I believe that God is. So that, that means that I'm going to put all my faith and trust into a God that's that's always there you know and, and the book talks about you know your your god can be anything you want you know it, it doesn't matter it's very loosey-goosey you know it's not punishing or weird or you know whatever you want and um i just believe that god is very accessible you know it's like the thing in the hospital that takes the like the medication you know to the tube you know like if i pray it just goes and it's like a direct hit like and that god really loves it i want to do his will you know, that I have that desire to please God, does indeed please God, like it says in that Thomas Merton prayer. Um, and, like I said, because I, I did a lot of stuff that I thought was really hard. You know, like I wasn't big on growing up, you know. Like, I, I would rather not grow up, you know. And, like, when you take your kids to school, sometimes you think, it's so weird I'm the grown-up. That's weird. You know, I'd be like, I'd be, I was smoking pot at this school, you know. Um <laughs> We were dealing drugs here, and, you know, it's just weird sometimes. But I uh, I had, you know, I had a lot of things happen, and um, my sponsor was not well, and um, we took care of her for a long time, and then she's, I guess she has dementia, or, you know, and we had to put her in a home. And that was very devastating for me. She was my sponsor for 17 years, and, um, man, I miss her, you know, because uh, I would call her early, 6 in the morning, She's always up early, you know, always answered the phone, and um, I just felt like she had my back. And I learned from that that God has my back and that um, I constantly have to find a new solution. You know, I can't keep things as they are. Life is always changing. That's what I've learned, you know, and I, I miss Miriam, but I, I have a new sponsor, and I, I totally respect her, and she's awesome, you know, and uh, ahead of me and does a lot. And... Um, I think my dad's girlfriend had Alzheimer's, and, um, God, I remember when I took you there at Tusa. I was like, I have to stop by and see Nancy. She was, like, dying on hospice. And when I took a Tusa, I realized how horrible it was, you know. Um, but I made a commitment to show up, you know, because I show up for people. I do – I can do hard things, you know, and, and I, I showed up until she died. And um, uh, I think then I got cancer, you know. So this really rare eye cancer. And um, – uh, you know, that, I have to say, that bumped me over into kind of like the realm of the spirit, which I'm so happy for, because um, kind of being faced with mortality, with death, like I could die, you're either praying or you're not, do you know what I mean? And at that point, when you wake, I would wake up, open my eyes, and I would just cry, you know, I'd be like, no, um, and uh, I prayed a lot. I got a lot of phone calls. I got a lot of support. And I do believe, like we were talking about this the other day, that the power of prayer buoys people up. Mm-hmm. That I, I had people everywhere praying for me. I mean, uh, I was on lists. I was on lists in Ireland. I was on the Al-Anon list. I was on all the gay men in West Hollywood were praying for me. All, like, <laughs> uh, my mom, I mean, and so I, I do believe, like, if you... I pray for people before I before I go to bed, you know, and say prayers for people who are having a hard time. That you just never know when that will help, you know. And I went through this whole thing and and um, really didn't know if I'd be able to see 
didn't know if I'd have my eye. I mean, it was just so many, like, they really lie to you when you do that stuff. I, I remember they said, oh, yeah, we'll do your radiation thing. You go home. We sew it in your eye. We'll take it out. Oh, yeah, you could go back to work in, five, like, oh, five days. Okay. I could not see. You know, I remember when they took off my patch. They're like, oh, it looks good. I said, well, that's great, but I'm blind. Um, and, uh, and you know what? We laughed a lot. My boyfriend kept telling me I was hot with my patch. And um, <laughs> people brought food and Lucy and Susan and Martha and, you know, and, and I got a lot of really great support from people. And, uh, and you know, in some ways it's an experience I wouldn't trade, you know. I mean, I'm in that whole cancer world. I get scans. I, you know, they check me all the time. My vision's kind of crappy, but I don't, I don't actually don't care anymore. At first, you know, acceptance is a big thing. Like, like, can I accept my life exactly as it is? I was like, no, no, I want my old eye back. I had LASIK. I was like, 2015, I want that eye back. My boyfriend's like, your eye had cancer in it. It had a big tumor in it. You know, I'm like, I want that back. You know, and I would think, I don't, this is unacceptable to me. Like, and, but you know what? I had to accept it, you know. And, and when my doctor went on maternity leave and I had to see her husband, I was at the doctor's office, and my mom was there to take notes. She was my scribe, you know, because you go a little brain dead when you're thinking about yourself. And um, uh, he told me, I I think because of the damage to your optic nerve from the radiation, you're going to lose your vision within a year. I was like, I started crying. My mother mother went into a blackout. She doesn't remember anything after. And I was like, well, that's not what she told me. He goes, oh, my wife didn't tell you that. I'm like, no, she didn't say that. You know, and so we talked about it, and... I literally, I swear I cried for two days because um, I was like, this is not acceptable. Like, I'm sorry, I can't accept that, you know, and uh, I cried. I went to my meeting, actually downstairs that Thursday, cried, you know, um, cried. And, and that's the thing, too. Like, I ate and threw up so I did not feel. I'm not big. I don't want to feel. I just want to be, like, neutral, you know. And, and I remember, like, thanks, Mick. I felt all of that. Like, it felt, I was bombed. But then I was driving on Sunset, dropped my daughter at school, saw this deer, flipped around, parked my car, because I would do this. Like, I didn't wear glasses before, but I would get up in the morning and I would go, am I blind? Am I blind? Is today the day? Like, literally, I would open and I'd go, can I see today? You know, and uh, it, it, like, consumed my life. Like, so I, I looked at this deer, you know, I can see the best in the broad daylight, but um, I could see the deer with my bad eye, and uh, I thought, you know what, I can see today. Okay, so if he's wrong, and I worry about this every day, I'm going to waste my life. I waste, then I'm not living one day at a time. I'm living in the future. I'm living in fear. You know, the past is all about regret and remorse and why. Why in the future? You know, I can't control what's going to happen. So for today, I can see. So I'm going to live my life, as it says in the 12 steps, one day at a time and enjoy all that's beautiful around me. And you know what? I'm not blind in that eye. I mean, my vision's weird, you know. Um, everybody's really small. I'll just tell you that my color's off. But there's a lot of weird things. But but I'm so glad I kind of came to that, you know. And, uh, and now I just accept it. It is what it is. I can do everything pretty much, you know. If you just walk up on this side of me, though, I cannot see you at all, you know. Um, and, you know... I mean, I got my daughter off to college recently, and that was great. You know, she's turned out to be such a great kid, and and then, I'm sorry, it's such a downer, but, you know, and then her boyfriend was killed really tragically in, in um, November, and, uh, you know, 
the only good thing that I could say about that is my daughter was just in devastated. You know, I, we were all devastated. He was a really great, great kid. Started UCLA and you know on the brink of a good life, and um, and so she now is sober. You know, so. The one thing I can say about that is that it, it brought me closer to God. You know, it made me pray a lot um, and uh, explored that and made my daughter drink and um, shortly, which was great. I didn't have to see it. When she called and said, I went to a meeting and so I got a sponsor, I was like, wow, you saved me like intervention and rehab, you know. <laughs> and honestly, I swear, it's from all the years, my daughter's entire life listening to me on the phone all morning long, giving direction like she knew what to do because she's doing it and she's a good little AA, I have to say, you know, and I'm really happy for for, and I have great hope for the future. And and I feel like right now, I told my sponsor, I said, I've had a, it has encompassed this couple year period. And I said, I feel like it changed me in ways I'm so happy for. It brought me so much closer to God. We do a, like a meditation practice now, my boyfriend and I in the morning. It slowed me down. It made me really look at what's important in life. Is my body size important? I don't think so. You know, um, does it really matter in the big scope of things? It's not what I like about people, you know. And um, I'm I'm happy. Like, my wheel's coming back up again, you know. And um, I'm, I feel content, you know. And, and I was thinking today, you know, like, I've been in OA a long time. Um, I sponsor a lot of people. I have sponsored a lot of people, and, um, you know, I believe that this works. You know, it just works slowly. You know, it does not work quickly. You know, sometimes people call, and they want writing, and this, and what should I do? And it's like, just start going to meetings, you know, and say your prayers, and, and you know, start reading the big book. And, you know, there's a lot to do. It, 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 it encompasses a long time, you know, and I'm really, really grateful that I stayed and that I have not thrown up, you know, in 24 years and five months, you know, because I think that is God doing for me. And and what is my purpose? My purpose must be to to give it away, you know. I I just believe we cannot keep it unless we give it away. We don't come here and get it and go home, you know. Um, So I think I'll stop and take a question or two. Thank you. Anybody have a question? Oh, she wants to know when I pray for people, what do I say? Um, I also, I mean, when I pray before bed, I don't, I don't believe the whole thing has to be some long, unattainable thing. I get on my knees, I say, "Thank you, God, for keeping me sober, abstinent. You know, please help me to be of service." I pray for my daughter and that God looks out for her. And then, if I know anybody who's having health problems. I, I pray for her boyfriend's mother because I know that for their whole family because it's so painful for them. I just say, God, will you, like, I believe it like that, um, the Irish prayer, you know, like, God, please hold me in the palm of your hand. You know, that God can put that, like, that bubble around me and buoy me up. So just very quick. Like, I don't think it has to be anything huge. And then when I sit in the morning, in in the morning I write a gratitude list and I read a couple books. And then when we sit in meditation, a lot of time I um, 
just ask God to help people I know that are having a hard time and that they find peace and strength and that he give them the power to do whatever it is they're, they're having a hard time with. So um, the question is about spiritual awakening, what it looked like when I was new and what it looks like now. When I was new, I mean, I just, I, pray, I was already praying in AA. I, I pray before I get into bed every night. If I'm in bed, I pop back out, and it's quick. I have seagrass, too. It's very denty on the knees. Um, anyway, and I always get on my knees. I'm a big believer in getting on your knees. I just think there's something about the surrender. And then um, the prayers I say in the morning. But I'd say when I was um, probably 20 or sober, so I was, you know, I don't know where I was, but I had just, it wasn't enough. You know, I think the road gets narrower, and I believe I cannot get by on yesterday's program. My program is constantly moving. I mean, I do, I do believe pain is the touchstone of all spiritual growth. So if you want to grow spiritually, when you go through pain, you're either, you're either going to grow spiritually or not, because there's no other way to turn. And, um, and I started seeking more. You know, I started reading more. Um, I, I got a big book, um, and got a, a new big book and started at the beginning. You know, um, I love We Agnostics. You know, I, I read in the morning... I read it it's a 24 hour book in AA I read God Calling um, which is very kind of religious but um, and uh, I read the OA book I mean I have all these little prayers tucked in that I read Um, I was reading this Living in the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence that my sponsor gave me Um, so I, I just like seek whatever kind of speaks to me I think everybody has something else that speaks to them but through like really all the very painful things um, that I've gone through, like well, my sponsor, I couldn't talk to her anymore. I'm not going to falter because it's not one person that's keeping me going. Like I will cherish always what Marion brought to my life. She really helped me grow up and become a good mother. But now it's kind of my turn to. It's I'm, I have to keep moving on, you know, because life changes. So I just think I just think that hard times will force you to seek and I think the spiritual muscle is like exercise it is a practice it's like like I didn't meditate till like formally till like six seven months ago where we meditate for you know ten minutes in the morning and um, and I just think that like I can pray and ask God but when I'm quiet and meditate then I can hear God I don't think it's it's hard to hear God when I'm going really fast and I think it took me a long time to realize that there's more to life than going really fast. Like, I always thought I'd feel good if I crossed everything off my to-do list. I did a thousand things, but I would go through the whole day and I wouldn't enjoy myself. So I don't really do that anymore. I don't do a lot of things that don't have to be done that day. And the meditation makes me slow down and just see how I'm doing. You know, it's like it says in, you know, 86 and 87, you know, ask him in your morning prayer what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. And it talks about that we don't burn up, you know, we don't, burn up energy worrying about things like I know now and it's only you know in the last while that everything will be okay it doesn't mean like it's just used to ask the question you know why do bad things happen I just think bad things happen and I'm given the tools to go through them you know it doesn't like I said I've had bad things like the, kind of the worst things that can happen to you in life have happened to me but you know what I'm doing well and and it's it's changed me in a way and kind of cracked that like ice around my heart or not ice but it's just opened it up in a way that is 
I wouldn't trade, you know, like having cancer, I kind of wouldn't trade because it, it did some very good things. So I, I actually told my daughter the other day, and she wrote it on her Facebook status. I was like, oh, she's my child. I said, when you focus on the good, the good will grow. When you focus on the bad, the bad will grow, just like it says in the story in the big book, you know, that I can look at, I can say, I'm so lucky I'm abstinent, and, and I sponsor great people, and I have a great place to live, and, you know, I have insurance. I have a good doctor at UCLA, like, and then I feel good. Or I can delve into the bad, and it's so sad for me, and then I feel bad. So, you know, today I, I kind of feel like I would rather focus on the good and live kind of a, a God-filled life, and that means that I'm just going to keep seeking, you know, and it, it, it sometimes I'm super connected, sometimes I'm sort of connected, but, but I, I do know God is, is all around and easy to reach, you know, and if I stray, I can pop on back easily. So thank you for having me share.